Not only are the Bills likely the new frontrunner in the AFC East, but for the first time in years, they have meaningful fantasy contributors across the board. Hello everyone and welcome into another episode of Fantasy Football in 15. I am your host, Michael Beller. We are wrapping up week number two of this show's existence, so thank you for joining us. Thank you for being an early adopter. And also, week number two of our State of the Team series. In today's episode, we bring on our Buffalo Bills beat writer, Joe Buscalia. Joe, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Michael. It's uh, it's good to talk football. <laughs> it is great to talk football. I got to tell you, I've been mired in baseball talk for the last few months, so uh, it is a welcome change for sure to get to, uh, to get to football and to get to the Bills, and perhaps a welcome change in the AFC East. Out is Tom Brady. Bills looking like maybe the big bully in the AFC East for the first time in a very long time, and we got to start this conversation with the quarterback Josh Allen. Now, in the fantasy world, we Love Josh Allen because of what he does with his legs. He was the QB6 in fantasy leagues last year. Uh, might be a surprise to, uh, to some people, but because of what he does on the ground, he is always a reliable option. But still, we want to see more from him through the air. Last year, a completion rate south of 60%. Again, YPA south of seven yards. Again, what do we need to see from him to see a more successful passer this year? Well, I think the the fantasy football community and the regular scouting community are a bit uh, on different sides with Josh <laughs> Allen here, just because the raw numbers are great. Um, and that's something that's going to continue with him. I, I don't foresee Brian Dable taking him on random uh, sweeps out wide and and quarterback sneaks and, and draws and things like that. I don't see him taking that out of uh, his offensive arsenal. So... I think for the most part, you're going to see that continue. But for him to grow as a passer, it's humongous for them from a team perspective, too. I mean, they really like the the steps that he took last year and becoming a more efficient passer. And while the completion percentage is often the thing that, that people point to with him, he actually became a really above competent level passer uh, in the intermediate to short areas. And the short area accuracy is something he's had to work on since he got in the league. He definitely got better uh, at that. He improved his quarterback rating, I believe, in f- at least five of the six uh, areas in the short to intermediate. And I think when you see that progression and see that he's taking a little bit better care of the football, the second half of the Texans game notwithstanding, um, I-, I think... I think you're seeing them start to realize what he could become in their offense. Now they need to see him continue along with that, not fall into bad habits, not go into hero ball, Wyoming Josh that we saw in the first year and uh, for him to really come of age as their quarterback. And this is a big year for him because at the end of this season, next May, that's when they have to make the fifth year option decision on him. So there's, there's a lot of money at stake here for Josh Allen and the bills. You mentioned him being much better in short and intermediate routes. They went a long way to helping him there uh, back in March when they made the big trade for Stephon Diggs. Diggs roundly praised as one of the best route runners in the league. If you are into next-gen stats that are provided by NFL.com, he is always showing up toward the top of those leaderboards in terms of average separation at the point of the catch. This is a guy who is able to get away from man coverage, zone coverage, whatever it might be. How do we see Diggs' role shaping up with the Bills in year one and his skill set fitting with Josh Allen's? 
Oh, it's going to fit in very, very well. Because I think when you look at some of the weaknesses of Josh Allen's game that he's trying to get better at, and he has shown some signs that he is improving there, but the one area that he needs to hit a little bit harder is throwing with anticipation. And that's that's something that hasn't been his forte, especially against his own coverage. He, he kind of has a little bit more difficulty there. But I think with Diggs, because he gains so much separation on a per-route basis, like I just remember watching him against Atlanta from last year, and he I think he turned Trufant inside out on a five-yard dig and had like four yards of separation. It was just ridiculous. And that's the type of thing that Josh Allen needs because he doesn't always anticipate the throw. He Sometimes he sees the throwing window and then throws it, and that's where Diggs is going to come in and help, certainly in the intermediate areas. Diggs is going to gain a lot of separation. I know Allen is going to look his way a bunch because he zeroed in on John Brown last year and John Brown is a really good receiver but he's not he doesn't have that air of potential greatness that Stefan Diggs has and and what he brings to the table so all of these different factors lead me to believe that Diggs is going to be a huge influence on this offense and I don't know if they're going to force feed him targets or anything like that because I don't think Brian Dable the offensive coordinator uh, operates in that way but I do see him having a big weekly uh, appearance, at least in terms of targets, and uh, and Josh Allen looking his way uh, above all else. Gotta love this. You are anticipating exactly where I'm going with uh, my next couple <laughs> of questions. Let's let's wrap up. Diggs, uh, nine point nine targets per game was his career high. That was back in 2018 with the Vikings. Uh, can he get over that ten target per game hump with the Bills, or is it something that the offense holds him back from getting to? I think the offense might hold him back a little from that uh, just because they still have Brown there who they like a lot. Um, Cole Beasley is going to get targets and Brian Dable's offense is a weird one to pin down because he comes from the New England school of switching things up from week to week and series to series. And so you don't know if you're going to get a heavy set, two tight end personnel, one series, and then go into 11 personnel the next, or four wide receiver sets. Um, that's just kind of what he does and, and the weaknesses and of the opponents and how he tries to play chess on game days. That's kind of his cup of tea. So I don't know if we're going to see the 10 target mark, but I would I would be hard-pressed to think that, that the Bills aren't going to try and get him 8 to 10 targets a game, uh, and probably – a bit more than that some weeks. Uh, I, I just think it's going to vary with game plan because they're not any one thing. And then, as you mentioned, Josh Allen really did zero in on John Brown last year. Brown had a 23.9% target share in Buffalo. That ranked 13th in the NFL of all receivers and tight ends and running backs for that matter. Christian McCaffrey, very high on the target share rankings. Obviously, that share is coming down with Steph Diggs in town this year, but just how much of a hit does John Brown's targets take with Diggs in town. Yeah, it will. And, and not only Diggs, I think um, when you look at, you know, getting Devin Singletary a bit more involved in that capacity, I think that's going to be, that's going to be a, a focus for them. Cole Beasley, the same Dawson Knox is his involvement is going to grow this year. I would anticipate. So there's, there's a lot of, uh, of players here. And, and of course, Diggs is the biggest factor into this because John Brown now shifts back into the WR2 role and which is probably what where he's best inside an offense but it, it will harm his 
fantasy potential and his output, even though it makes him that much more of a threat within the Bills offense because odds are he'll be going up against the worst of the two cornerbacks and he won't be getting much uh, double coverage attention unless Stefan Diggs is off the field or he's injured. So I think it'll benefit in bigger plays, but in a, in a smaller quantity. Yeah, this offense obviously is going to be uh, one that gets a lot of Devin Singletary involved, gets the rookie Zach Moss involved. We know what Josh Allen takes off the table from a pure production standpoint with his legs. Can it support two regular starting fantasy wide receivers? See, I don't know. And that, that again, goes to Dable. Uh, I, I think I think Brown will be good and for like a bye week fill-in or something like that, and he'll have the occasional games where he goes off because that's what he does and catches a downfield pass if Josh Allen can hit him this year. But uh, I think for the most part uh, it it's going to be tough to, to sustain because there will be some weeks where the Bills go completely run heavy and feature both Singletary and Zach Moss. And that's that's just what Dable does. And if if he sees a weakness up the middle of a defense, if he sees linebackers who can't get sideline to sideline uh, as well as, uh, as some others, then he's going to attack the edges with his run game. And if there's a weakness with cornerbacks, then he's going to attack those. So it really all depends from a week to week. And it's the smart approach, honestly. It's frustrating as heck for fantasy owners, I'm sure, but uh, but the smart approach for the Bills when they're trying to establish their young quarterback in picking apart the weakness rather than saying, okay, we're going to do what we always do no matter what you do and no matter what strengths you have. All right, let's talk about those running backs because we got in the fantasy community to be all excited for a few months about Devin Singletary getting the backfield to himself and then, boom, third-round pick, Zach Moss comes mm-hmm. in and, and totally complicates the picture from a fantasy perspective. So when we're looking at these two guys, what should we expect the breakdown of duties to be between the two of them? Well, I think it will depend on what they're looking at um, in terms of w- how the defense stacks up. In Singletary excels uh, when he's working outside the tackles and even though he's not the speediest guy he's very elusive and and his vision is really good and those are two things that the bills liked about him but between the tackles he can still do it and do it efficiently but they just don't have that short yardage um, bring in two tight ends maybe even three tight ends uh, for for those heavy personnel sets he's that's not where he excels and so that's why they brought in Zach Moss but the the thing about Moss was because when whenever they put Frank Gore in the game it was very predictable what was going to happen because Gore could not catch passes out of the backfield um I think teams really just pin their ears back and and went after him and stacked the box against him because they knew that that there wasn't going to be much of a gain there with him and there are multiple times where the bills just got stood up right at the line of scrimmage because of those personnel groups so that's what zach moss brings to the table he might spread some teams out a bit more because i think he's a little underrated in his pass catching so i i think those two guys i don't know i don't think it'll be a 50 50 split i do think singletary will get the majority but as their careers progress in buffalo i would not be surprised to see them being close to a 50 50 share and them going running back by committee uh in years two and three of zach moss because uh, it's it's very interesting the way the nfl is going i think san francisco has kind of put uh put that on the map um with how they used 
Coleman, Breda, and, and Mostert la- last year. And uh, I think for the Bills, they're trying to get a little bit more in that in that same vein. And that's something, again, that Dable saw work in New England with James White, LeGarrette Blunt, uh, Rex Burkhead, all of these different things that, uh, that they could do to put different strains on a defense. All right, let's look at Singletary for a second longer here because he's the one who's going to get drafted higher in fantasy leagues, as should be the case. Last year, he averaged 12.6 carries and 3.4 targets per game. So if you extrapolate that over a full 16-game season, you get 201 carries and 55 targets. I'm going to put you on the spot here for a second, Joe. We are about three months away from week one as you and I are sitting recording this. Would you take the over or the under on 201 carries and 55 targets for Devin Singletary? Um, I would take the slight under just because I don't know what they're going to look like from week to week, but I will say the one formation that was their most successful last year, um, and it, it was, it, it was right when the bills really stormed onto the scene in that Thanksgiving game against the Cowboys is when they were in 11 personnel, almost exclusively. That's when they were scoring a bunch of points. They were moving the ball whenever they wanted to. It seemed like Josh Allen was really uh, doing well with with those personnel groupings. So I think that will probably be the lean this year, their default, when they're not going matchup-specific stuff, and that would lend itself to Singletary. But they drafted Zach Moss for a reason, to to jump in there and to give them some good snaps so that way they don't have to over-depend on Singletary and put him out there for more than 60, 65% of snaps. I do think he'll... He'll still lead the way, but I, I just don't know if there will be enough carries to go around for him to hit 200 and then the the uh, the 55 targets that, that you mentioned. Yeah, Bills definitely look great in that uh, Thanksgiving game, not only because they were wearing those great all-whites. would love to see those uh, more from the Bills. Uh, you mentioned Dawson Knox a little bit earlier. Uh, we've got to wrap things up with him here. He definitely had his moments last year, popped up on the fantasy radar a few times, mostly as a stream play in matchups that look potentially good. Uh, the athleticism, very easy to see anytime mm-hmm. that you watch Dawson Knox. Uh, is there any chance that his role uh, grows in significance for the team in the passing game this year? Absolutely, there is. I mean, this is a guy that they believe in and they feel really optimistic about what he can become. You ask anybody in the locker room, um, especially the the veteran tight ends, and they're saying that this guy, with his blend of everything that he, that he can do from route running to his athleticism to his yards after catch to his blocking skills that he's still developing but is pretty good at at this point, they think that uh, like Lee Smith in particular said something along the lines of, all right, th- this this is a tight end that can do things that only a handful of tight ends in the world can do. And so I know that's a little bit hyperbolic and you have to take it with a grain of salt because he's a teammate of Dawson Knox. But when you look at the stats and what Knox was able to do, I mean, 13 of Knox's 28 receptions went for 15 yards or more. Seven of those went for more than 20 yards. His 13.9 yards per catch was the third highest league average among tight ends with at least 15 receptions. And I think his yards after catch percentage as compared to the majority of his yards uh, gained last year, I think it was along the same rate as an Austin Hooper. So if you if you get him more involved and he 
eradicates those drops from his game, the concentration drops, then you're looking at a potential really good player, and especially one that's going to get attention taken off him with the likes of Stefan Diggs and John Brown and Cole Beasley out there. So I, Josh Allen really grew a nice relationship with Dawson Knox, and Knox is definitely an under-the-radar guy that I don't think is getting enough buzz in the fantasy community this offseason. Buffalo Bills, possibly the new kings of the AFC East with nothing guaranteed now for the New England Patriots. That's Joe Buscalia, our Bills beat reporter. Joe, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Buscalia. That's B-U-S-C-A-G-L-I-A. And be sure to check out the Buffalo Beat uh, with Joe and Matt Fairburn breaking down the Buffalo Bills. That's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can get a free 30-day trial at theathletic.com slash football in 15. For Joe Biscalia, I'm Michael Beller. Fantasy Football will be back with you next week. Have a great weekend. <laughs>